boring. to our daily gun show we come to you live every night well, every weeknight at midnight eastern i think 500 shows in i would figure that out um that's 9 p.m pacific for about an hour each night we talk about guns and we have hosts we've got angelina jumping in from california thanks for joining hello <clears throat> the only actual host here tonight besides myself in tucson but we have some guest hosts jumping in thanks for joining us guys we got dead horse jumping in from utah, utah. howdy thanks for joining uh, I think you're in the middle of eating, so keep going. And then we got Ghost jumping in from Arkansas. Thanks for jumping in. That would be AR Kansas. Thanks for having me. And then Tardot, you're in Texas. How's it going? Thanks for jumping in. So we were just over in Clover's chat, and uh, it was a pretty decent chat for a Friday. And then uh, I, my thing's been being weird. Most of the time when somebody's ready to go on gun channels, you know how to say like 10 minutes waiting, whatever, and then it counts down and then it goes live, you know, and with edges, it doesn't do that. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that, but I was sitting there waiting for edge and waiting for edge and then finally texted him and said, when are you going live? Like we've been live. So I refreshed and sure enough. So I don't know if anybody's had that trouble with uh, particular ones. I know I had a trouble earlier jumping into one that Desmond uh, said that uh, audio wasn't working. Sometimes even on the Daily Gun Show, when you guys go live, it doesn't refresh, and I have to refresh the page, and then it then then it'll start. I, it, that's happened to me on pretty much everyone's channel. And not it doesn't happen all the time, but it is a thing. Okay, yeah. So that's why I've been throwing in there live. You know, the YouTube side usually kicks in, but so again, thanks for jumping in. We've had some pretty good shows today. Edge is live right now, so we're corking him. But um, it's Friday, and we usually talk about the industry. I didn't even bring up my notes today. Let's see where my notes are at. Got no notes, got no nothing. Yeah, but look how many hosts we got. It's a Friday free for all. Tactical you, Friday. You, you did bring you did bring the C team with you, so I mean, you know, there's that. Yeah, that's two bit con con content creators. Well, I mean it's gun biz Friday, so Yeah, exactly. Gun biz. What does the gun biz mean to you why does it say dicker in here where for gun tech alternative topics or shit it does what does that mean i don't know i didn't do it bob probably did it maybe i meant dicker mm, maybe you meant dicker dicker isn't a word though it is engage in a petty argument I don't know. That's just hmm. and bicker, maybe. I don't know. Let's roll with it. Speak it up casually. Dicker around with something. I guess that's a word. Oh yeah, like dick around. I say that all the time. Anyhow, so uh, it is 
Gun Biz Friday. So I don't know. Does anybody have any Gun Biz topics? We were talking about NRA show a little bit earlier. Um, we're going to be talking about the tour over at the Jam Davis. So it's good that uh, Ghost and Tardot are in here. They both took the tour with me. Everybody else. Um, I suck. We had a uh, question come up from uh, Open Face Sandwich Man over there um, asking our take on the Military Arms Channel Not Real Activist protest at the NRA. Do you think it's a kick in the pants that will prove positive? Or is it something that further weakens the NRA and is bad for the second? Uh, sort of like more infighting gives two a people a talking point. They could say even the gun guys hate the NRA. So I think that's a good one. If you see this sort of industry related and it's timely. That's exactly what I think, geez. I think that uh, the media, the liberal media is going to spin this and, and uh, you know, use it to divide and conquer us. I can just imagine the type of stories they're going to have on uh, liberal news media outlets about uh, gun owners protesting the NRA and stuff like that and the way they're going to try and spin that. And uh, so I, I think overall it's going to be bad for the industry. I think what's good for the industry is more lifetime members, voting members of the NRA and change the board members on the NRA, the ones that we don't like, the ones that are saying those things that, you know, that, that we don't like to hear, well, let's vote them out. I mean, they're not some kind of ultimate force that's irremovable, you know, from the NRA. We can easily vote them out and vote someone that, you know, that we agree with, you know, on, onto that board. I mean, I'm no expert on NRA internal workings or nothing, but just watching some of those conversations that have been going around, um, you know, like at the end of last year, I guess, that long ago already, um, where uh, they were concerned about that concept, right? Could vote them from the inside or whatever. But the board, I guess, even if let's say you had perfect situation and everyone was dissatisfied with the status quo and everybody gets voted out and we have a new regime in there, you still got... LaPierre and Cox that are main, what's the deal? They're supposed to be majority shareholders, so they make the most money from it. They're also the president and the director, so I guess they override the board. And I think that's where the potential is, right, to get the membership to the point where they're like, uh, I, I guess, motivated to say, get rid of these two figureheads. We want a, 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 a an actual representative group here again. An actual club. Well, and we do have yeah. some good members on the NRA board, like Ted Nugent. He's he's an NRA board member. Like there are some good. Not not all the board. Not even all the board members are bad. No, and our board members. The problem is there's 75 board members. The unfortunate thing with what's happening to 75 board members is they have an executive committee that actually does most of the governing. So I don't even know what kind of power the 75 board members have. You know. As far well, their as the, powers to vote is that they vote on topics like uh, if they want to give up, let's say if the NRA wants to start a new program, some kind of youth marksmanship program somewhere, they, you know, they vote on those topics. That, that's what. The yeah, board but does, there's right? there's no vote audit. So they don't they I mean, the executive board can take the vote, but they don't have to do anything the voters say. I mean, they don't have an audit. So who knows? Plus, you're looking at with 75 members, you know, it's easy to drown out, you know, the five, ten that may be a positive vote that we are looking for. 
I think with those protests going on, possibly going on with the uh, NRA show, it, we've talked about it before. You know, this is pretty much an industry show. and you know, it's for the public. You got your ILA meetings that that's where those conversations really need to happen. And that's, I think that's the biggest point is holding the protest is great. Getting your point across is great, but they need to do it to a point that you're actually going to get FaceTime or get in front of those people that you want to affect, you know, going to the actual show that's going to be happening on the Friday, Saturday and Sunday and trying to protest, just like dead horse was saying, you're just given possibly given liberal media, a bunch of, uh, you know, bits to sit there and throw out on the news for that night. I mean, I, I can see the devil's advocate side of this and say that um, the protests could bring some good and the, the liberal media is not, let's be honest, guys, the liberal media is not going to paint anything about the NRA show positive anyway. So what does it matter what they're going to say? They're not going to, they're not going to paint it great. I think that if you had a protest, then the the errors of the top in our sees that man, there's a lot of people that are pissed off and they see the numbers in the last six months have dropped off. Maybe they start thinking, well, our numbers have dropped off and there's a, a massive amount of people here that are willing to protest at our own show. Maybe it's more serious than we thought. Well, that's where I think I'm more like that. So not even devil's advocate, but the um, media needs the NRA. They go out of their way, really, to simplify everything to the NRA is the bad guy. The NRA is the entire industry. The industry is so much bigger than the other influencers and lobbyists, right? So if they were to chisel away at that, they'd be chiseling away at their own position that the NRA represents all of us or that the NRA is the bad guy. But I guess you could say, well, the, even the membership hates them, I guess, but I don't know how much they would actually get with that. But on the other hand, I'm... I don't care what the media says. I don't care what they say about what if we showed an AR-15 or anything else. So I think if it's time for us to take our care of our own business, I'm not worried about what somebody says. If it's time to spank, spank your kid, right? You spank your kid, and then you worry about what somebody worried about their opinion of you spanking your kid, right? You take care of your, your own, and then you figure out, okay, did I spank them at McDonald's or at home, you know? Well, just because the NRA is 5 million members, over 5 million members, who deemed them? I want to know what gun, gun owner said, you know what, the NRA is in control of, uh, of all of our gun lobbying and they're, they're in charge of that. Like, I don't remember anyone actually putting them in charge. So, you, you know, when I think of the NRA, I think of marksmanship and certification and gun safety stuff, you know, not necessarily lobbying for, you know, against laws or to pass certain laws. So, like, who, who, who decided to put them in charge? I, like, as far as I know, they're not in charge. Like, any other group, like Gun Owners of America or any other group, can step up and surpass them in, in you know, in members and, you know, and take the forefront. Well, I, I think a lot of us have mentioned in, in previous chats that I actually don't mind the NRA being the punching bag. Let the NRA take the punches from the media and from the liberal side and let them be the quote-unquote face of the gun community. And then while they're doing that, then that's a perfect opportunity for GOA and SAF to come in from the flank and maybe do some more good. Let the NRA be the punching bag. They're probably accustomed to it by now. So, like, they're our infantry, right? Their job is to 
take, you know, be there to block and to make sure that people can't just walk, you know, right in the front door. Well, we got the GOA. I'm going to call them the Marines, since so many Marines are fond of them. Uh, you know, they're out there doing more strategic strikes with a little more muscle. So you you have multiple things. I don't know. Maybe you should have done it in battleships and and uh, submarines or something. Like you know, we have multiple tools at our uh, disposal for doing different tasks. We should consider our groups the same way, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm I'm saying that if 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 the media and everybody else and and the Democratic Party they want to sit there and assume that the NRA is the entire community and they want to throw all their punches at them, let them because the NRA has been doing it for years. Let them take the punches. And then that allows, like you said, that allows little attack forces, whether it's a GOA, the SAF, all these other, you know, different organizations to, Hey, the spotlight's not on us. Let's go around, sneak from behind and attack them from behind while the NRA is taking all the, the forward push they, they're big enough. They can handle that kind of, like you said, they can handle that ground fight. Then we can go with the little assault teams and, and then really get some stuff done, hopefully. But the problem is when they're going to stand there and compromise and give shit away like the bump stocks and others, and they're going to allow the uh, the national reciprocity to be uh, shelved. They're going to allow Pierce Pressing Act or Shush to be shelved. And that's where... Oh yeah, it, it's not. It's not a perfect storm by any means. If they stand there and help, I'm okay. But at the same time, we only have a certain window in order to have their ear when they're listening. When they've spent a bunch of money to present something to a town that it sounds like the mayor doesn't even want them there. So, you know, they've definitely got a uh, um, vulnerable. You know, this is the time when we have their ear. And even if I don't believe that the media is necessarily looking for ways to rip apart the NRA, they need the NRA. Um, there's definitely that perception that the NRA might have that they need to be on their P's and Q's. And if we can use that as a way to leverage more volume for our message, you know, again, it, it means a lot when people are willing to put on a T-shirt and travel to Dallas not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what the consequences are going to be positive in the long run. But again, when we talk about the benefit of these actions, right, the NRA is a bunch of people who are watching what's going on. And if they get reports back after this thing that hundreds of people showed up, that's different than if thousands of people showed up. And that's certainly different than if tens of thousands of people showed up with not real activist shirts. If tens of thousands of people show up with that shirt that costs $25, I expect to see tents and water provided by the people selling them shirts but you know there that was a massive showing of solidarity amongst their members that were not satisfied with the figureheads right so i think it's going to be an interesting show for sure i don't know if we have any more answers on that well i i think no matter what the outcome is it's definitely going to be a a really cool sign of activism whether it's nra being activists or the community itself being activists um, we can be activists within our own community. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how many people are willing to put those T-shirts on. We think that a lot of people are going to show up, but there might be 100 people that show up. But it's going to be really interesting to see how many people are actually willing to do that, stick their nose out there, knowing there is a chance. I'm not saying they're going to, but there's a chance that you're escorted out of the building. But uh, I think that makes a huge statement. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I've noticed that a lot of people have been jumping on the bandwagon and uh of the boycott the nra or not real activist stuff and excluding youtube content creators 
all these people who I see jumping on the bandwagon, every single one that I've asked, hey, did you buy the $500 lifetime GOA membership? Have you joined any other group? The answer is always the same. No, I, I, you know, I haven't joined anything. I don't belong to anything. And I, I just don't get that. Like, so you're going to jump on a bandwagon of boycotting the NRA, but you're not going to, you know, be an activist yourself and, and support any other kind of pro gun rights organization. Uh, let me, let me jump in right there. Dead horse. Now that's, that's a big issue. You brought up one comment that, you know, I was kind of letting everybody go through you're talking about who made the NRA pretty much who made the NRA king of activism for the gun rights side. Nobody really made them as far as saying here, you are the ones that will at, be the activists for everyone. What happened is, is you had the majority of people joining the NRA and then going, you know what? I don't have to do anything else. And that's the downside is you can throw money at these organizations. Yes, but you're still not, being completely an activist just by saying here's money to the goa or here's money to the nra there comes a point where like what ghost and g are kind of talking about you know you've got to either step up to these organizations that we're funding to let them know hey you've got to do your job i'm paying you for a reason but at the same time you need to take that time to put your own voice out there to the politicians to you know washington or your local governments and say Y'all aren't doing what I voted you in for. This is what I want. This is what doesn't need to happen, does need to happen. You know, the, the gun legislation, you know, we've seen it with the bump stock comments and everything else. You know, you've got to have these people that are putting their voice out there themselves because the politicians are used to hearing from the NRA uh, and all of these activist organizations. They're not going to be quite as used to getting thousands or millions of comments and everything else, they're going to start seeing that their voting population there that wants them, that has voted them in office, don't want them doing certain things or do want, do want them to do other things. So it, to be an actual activist doesn't mean you just go and fund an organization. You need to do your part at the same time. Well, let's also remember by the time we get done with NRA next week, we'll have a little over a month to, uh, for the ATF comments also. So we got to start pushing that pretty hard when we get back from NRA because it'll be about a month, full over a month, month and a half maybe, to get those comments to the ATF. So that's something we also got to push when we get back. Is there any other gun rights that, uh, group that has as many youth programs or as many certification programs or safety programs or marksmanship programs as the NRA? Apple Not even close. Appleseed CMP. But they don't have as the, right. they don't have as many, do they? I mean, yeah, they they don't have there's a lot. There's a lot of them that have training and certification, but not to the extent that the NRA does. I don't think. Right, but they would be the next. There are others, but yeah, you're right. They're bigger. But so that's they, my big argument about the NRA, though, is too. You got to, like we were talking, you were talking about with Chris Cox and Wayne Lapierre. You've got to really take into perspective that. The people, you know, when you've got the NRA, you've got your different divisions of the NRA. And that's where I talk about getting your voice and your protest in front of the right people. You know, we, we talk about the NRA. Well, the problem within that NRA is the ILA. It is Chris Cox. It is Wayne LaPierre. So if they're not, more or less, if they're not paying attention, the, the, your protest kind of falls on deaf ears or you're protesting the wrong side of the organization. Not to say that they, they won't notice, but 
you've got to you've got to be able to hit that certain group and make sure they notice what you're doing. There's a pause here, so I'm watching the YouTube channel or the YouTube comments, and who was it a while back said Black Hat said as for national reciprocity, it never stood a chance of passing the Senate. So did the bump stock ban ever have a chance the first hundred times they put it up? No. You pass things by consistently trying, and eventually uh, then they get the votes and it goes through. So one way to make sure that it never goes through is to never even try. And one way to make sure that you never even try is to not hold the representatives responsible, have consequences for their lack of effort. Not doing something is a decision. They don't get to say, oh, well, we were going to. Because they didn't, they they decided to put it off and not do it. So um, I'm not the biggest fan of national reciprocity myself, but I am a big fan of holding representatives responsible for their actions. And again, if we do nothing as the Second Amendment act, um, community, then they just that's basically reinforcing to them we can do whatever we want to them. They're law-abiding and polite. They'll take it. Slap them again. They'll take it. Unfortunately, we've been taking it for a lot of years. So what do you think is the best way to get the to, to let the NRA know and actually influence change in the NRA um, that we want a more, you know, I this is the term. This isn't my term, but this is the term that I've heard many people use is that we want less FUD and more Nugent. And I've heard that that sort of term used a lot, that that's what we want the NRA to be. Well, how do we affect that? I've heard people saying that about the NRA for the last 10 years. Well, I think realistically, NRA is what? Next weekend. So it's not tomorrow, but it is the weekend after. So it's not, it is literally seven days from today, right? The fourth it's starting. Um, at this point, it's we're so close to it. We'll just we're going to find out because it's going to be the biggest opportunity that we've had since the October revolt back in the '70s for disgruntled membership to hold the task, the leadership of the organization. And I don't think it's going anywhere. It's the biggest organization, like you said. It does all the training. Uh, it's solid. It's older than all of them. Chris uh, Cox and Pierre ain't. They're just rich dudes at the top. And, uh, you know, they're not going to last forever. Something's got to make them change. And maybe it'll be a more powerful board. If so, the, so board how could we pull off another revolt? How, how did they do that back in the 70s? Some people might not even know about that revolt. And that's a great question. There is a book written about it. We had the son of the guy who did it, right? Cox on here, Chris Cox. And was it we had Neil Cox on Chris? I forget, Chris Cox or Neil was the dad. Um, so the dad did thing, he wrote a book about it. And when we had the, the son on talking to him for every second matters and on the daily gun show one time, um, he was telling us that it is explained in the book, the, the details leading up to it and the consequences of the October revolt. And I just never had a chance to read the book, which was on audio tape. I, I've got a friend of mine that has just is a newly elected board member of the NRA. And I've been going back and forth with her the last couple of days. And one of the things that was brought up, and she said that it's actually going to be a talking point, is that there is a possibility that they discuss when you re-up your NRA membership and you donate money to the NRA online or whatever, that they're supposed to be bringing up a way that you can, I'm not saying dictate, but you can ask them that your money goes to a certain arm of the NRA. 
So if that does come to fruition, then I think what a lot, a lot of us probably need to do is sit there and say, I want my money to be earmarked for education or I want my money to be earmarked for training and force them to possibly split the ILA from the NRA and not let all the funds, the 95% of the funds that goes funnels to the NRA to go strictly to the ILA because as long as that happens, the ILA is going to do what they want to do regardless of what the membership wants. But if you're able to earmark your money for a specific thing and they get a message saying, man, they're not funding the ILA at all. They must not like what we're doing. Maybe that's a way. Hosh just jumped in from California. Angelina hasn't said much, so being behind enemy lines, so to speak, you guys are used to dealing with stuff. How does the NRA fit into this? They usually leave you hanging. Um, you know, I get a lot of the, most of my correspondence comes from the CRPA and things like CalGuns, which CRPA is, I guess, the one of the arms of the NRA. They're closely affiliated with the NRA in California. And so I get messages from them, and they talk about upcoming whatever court cases or what they're trying to pursue to stop in California, like our am our ammunition registration stuff that we're going through right now. Like I just got an email from them on that. Um, on talking about like, Hey, we're looking for money. We need help. Blah, blah, blah. Mostly like that. That's a lot of what I get. Um, I think in general, they do leave us hanging. So um, like, gosh, I'm, partial to like cow guns and all that kind of stuff <clears throat> over uh, the NRA. Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like, I mean, the NRA is kind of fighting battles that aren't California. Like, I feel like they don't really care a whole lot about California. Well, I was going to ask you, like, I mean, since California has been in the forefront of some of the strictest gun control in this, the, the nation's scene, when those bills were going through, was the NRA ever there to protest? I mean, were they were they there to in California trying to help the situation, or were they just gone? I never saw them. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, they make campaign donations to the people that they like, right? So you know, they're obviously not making you know campaign donations to some Democrat running in California. So I do believe they have helped California, but they also have forty nine other states to worry about. Right, and, uh, and when you're looking at, like, let's say a state like California that already has so many restrictions, and then you're comparing it to a state like Utah that doesn't have really any restrictions, and then all of a sudden an anti-gun bill comes up in Utah, yes, I do see the NRA standing up and fighting and lobbying and, and making campaign donations and, and doing stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I, I do see it, and I think they have done that in California, but, you know, they, they have to spread that out between four, 50 states, right? You know, also, it's it kind of worth, is worth mentioning that they will get no help, really, um, from the the elected officials in California because there's a pretty much a supermajority of anti-gun people in California. The only way they can go is the judicial um, rights violation. That's really their only way of going forward. And that generally goes very slowly because um, it's going to go through the local courts and then it's going to go to the circuit level courts. And then it may just sit in the, uh, in the Supreme court and, and never be, never be touched. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like the money is going somewhere. And I think people get frustrated because they don't understand how slow um, the judicial side of government moves very slowly. 
Well, you've also got the Ninth Circuit out there, which is a crazy bad court to begin with. But right. I got a question for you, Hosh and, Hosh and for Angelina. So the NRA obviously is not the biggest influence in, in California. Have you seen over the years, has, has the GOA or the SAF, have they been helpful at all in California? Here is who, here's a list of people who are helpful in California. Pretty much only Firearms Policy Coalition. Um, they constantly go up to bat. They're constantly at the courthouse. They're constantly, um, you know, putting out information and trying to get everyone educated and trying to be really boots on the ground for pro 2A individuals in California. Um, and like I think Dead Horse said, you know, well, they have 49 other states to worry about. Yep, absolutely. And Firearms Policy Coalition worries about every single one of those states. Um, but they really fight for California because as someone that has a legal background, I know that precedent pays plays a huge part in mm -hmm. what will trickle down to the rest of this country if you allow every state to become like California, New York, uh, Maryland, and all those other shitty states, you know, like this. Yep. Um, this is a union. We're, we're a union. We're not individual countries. So we all need to be looking out for everyone else. So what happens in California needs to offend you as much as if it happened in your own backyard because one day it will because you know because fuck california right well you made a great point is if it happens in california then it can happen anywhere i mean that's just the that's the reality of it yeah and that's why i mean that's why it's not like one of the things that really pisses me off is when people are like oh stupid california yeah stupid california but guess what that's going to be that's going to be stupid arizona and that's going to be stupid texas if you don't fight for California. California's gun rights are everybody's problem. The things that happen here, they're everybody's problem. Um, you know, John Z told us a little bit about what happens in New York City. Guess what? That's, you know, Phoenix in two years. Well, and see, that's a really good point, too, is, you know, Dead Horse was making the comment about, like, and the comments been made a few times about NRA worrying, supposed to be worrying about 50 states. This is very true. But when an anti-gun legislation, for instance, comes up in Texas or Utah or Wyoming or somewhere into that extent where it's a little bit easier to fight, it's a less of a chance that it's going to make it through and win. Why would we put a lot of effort? You know, you, you still want to put the effort there, but it's not going to take as much effort there as it would for California. I think the NRA should make a point to focus on California. Yeah, they may have to go that judiciary route. They may have to go through court. It may take years to get a legal precedence from, you know, Supreme Court somewhere else. But that's exactly what you said. Legal precedence is the major factor. Yeah, you know, we can oh, get sorry. it. Oh, good. I thought you were done. Um, yeah, the problem is, as as Angelina already said, they'll use precedence to beat somebody over the head like a cudgel because the concept of a of the Ninth Circuit is something that extends to all the states in the union there's multiple circuit courts so as your appeals go up the ranks they can cite california as being judicial policy or precedent right and then it would require going all the way up to the supreme court again it's it's this concept that because the judicial system takes so long all they need to do is get the law in place and then years go by and people forget about it. And the, the fervor, just like, just like the liberals say the fervor over these mass shootings goes away 
relatively quickly, a lot of the fervor goes away with gun rights when people don't really understand how they're affected. And they just assume, oh, it's always been this way, so let's just keep carrying on. Well, and you guys are talking about, you know, like, uh, you know, Angelina brought up about uh, the Firearms Policy Coalition really fighting for California. I see the NRA fighting for California. Yesterday, they filed a, another lawsuit for California. Um, last year, they filed five lawsuits challenging gun laws in California. They support uh, smaller organizations like the California Pistol and Rifle Association. Yeah, that's what it's funding them to go fight in California. Well, that's what I said. Their members, or do you think it's the NRA donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to the California Pistol and Rifle Association to fight those? Well, so the NRA well, donates a lot of money to these smaller organizations, and then you only hear about these smaller organizations fighting, and you're like, oh, it's this is the only thing doing anything. Well, the NRA is funding them. So well, isn't that – aren't they well, doing something? I, I, funding by giving resources and networking and support in other ways. Yeah, like I, I, at Bloomberg. That is – when I said the CRPA, that's the that's who you're talking about. And I did Exactly, and, and, the, and the NRA funds them. Yeah, and yeah, and they put your big fancy name behind it. Put the name that makes everyone turn their fucking head. Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're, that's that's kind of an interesting point. Um, so the CRPA is not wholly funded by the NRA. In no way is that true. The CRPA has a very large membership, um, lots of hunters in the CRPA, um, and I actually know the the chairperson for hunters' rights in the CRPA. At least as of two years ago, he was. So I, I hear what you're saying. I get it, and I'm not, and I don't necessarily agree what Angelina is saying that having the NRA put their name behind it is, is any better or worse, but the byproducts is still going to be the same. It's going to get caught up in the courts on purpose by the judicial and slow down so they can create as many lawsuits as they want, but it just, it just gets gummed up in the works by design because it's all full of liberals. Anti actually, I don't even care about the comment liberal. They're anti-gun. The people that are they're gumming up the works, they're anti-gun. They know that they can stall this thing out for a very long time, just burning it out in the process. And that's what they do. Well, yeah, and the whole I mean, there's a whole legal theory around paperwork because the uh -huh. more paperwork there is, the more paper there is to shuffle through. Guess what? That takes longer. And while you're doing that, nothing else is happening right and that's hence why we have some of these stupid laws about uh, your amul ammunition license purchasing ammunition why do they do that so it'll de-incentivize people from wanting to participate they just need to make it hard enough they can't ban it can't ever ban anything because if you ban it then people freak out you just you know turn up the heat a little bit just keep notching it up we always talk about this it's the boiling the frog So I like this cartoon that sums it up pretty good, I think, as far as the California end of it. And I think Bidenhurst brings up some good points, though. They're, the NRA is definitely more influential than just money. The money is a part of, portion of it, but they're not loaded. They're, they've got contributions from us. They're paying poor LaPierre. You know, he barely has enough to support his, his different interests. So, you know, there's that. And then, uh, the like I was saying, the networking and the other support, the facilitation of efforts and the coordination of efforts that I'm sure they're involved in. 
but we're all in the same boat as far as things go, literally. And uh, yeah, if you don't believe what happens in California leeches out, then how do you explain Oregon, Washington, Colorado's magazine laws, Nevada, state like Nevada having universal background checks? Universal background checks are up on the ballot in Arizona. A bunch of kids went in and yelled at the uh, governor of Arizona, and we don't have bump stocks here, something like that. So uh, yeah, uh, nothing safe and uh, precedent, like you're saying, is exactly why what happens in California or New York or whatever is constantly at risk for this. That's right. That's why they say eternal vigilance. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we started out with NRA show and what we thought this year was going to be as far as like as the commotion or the reaction to the not real activists. We just found out, I just found out from Clover's show that uh, Yankee said he's not going. So that means Military Arms Channel will be the big one there. I guess Eric, Iraqi Veterans going. Has anybody seen that video? Mm-mm. Yeah, him and, and Force from Freedom Guy, the three of them. So there's a couple of big hitters that'll go there and wear their shirts. And then, like I say, we will be to be determined to see how many people actually show up with the shirts and interest in walking around civilly trying to change people's minds and make people aware. It's an excellent effort. And like I say, it'll be interesting to see. Do we know anybody that's going to wear NRA shirts, not real activist shirts? I am. Okay, we got one. I am at least one of the days. All right. So, what about uh, what about we could jump to some fun stuff and do the gun shop of the day? <clears throat> you know what's fun is the member of the day. So every day we try to figure out one of the members over gun channels and uh, what the hell you feature them. Yeah. So uh, we're going to do that. And this week we were featuring their YouTube channel. So it's heavy today. I don't know if he, I didn't see an Instagram video asking if he should make a live chat tonight. I also didn't see a live chat from him. So I guess he didn't do one. I think every other Friday he used to do them. So maybe he's on that schedule right now. Anyway, heavy's uh dude that we met up with in California a long time ago, me and Smeggy. And then uh, he moved out here to Arizona and I have not met up with him since he doesn't ever hang out with us when we're in Arizona now. But I think it's because he works all the time, and I think he's been back fit, uh, creating content and hanging out in Match Chat uh, most Mondays. I think most people know Heavy, but if you don't, check him out. Heavy B, I guess, actually. There you go. Nobody has anything to say about Heavy. They all agree. If you don't have anything positive to say. Oh, Heavy's a good dude. Oh, I like Heavy. Okay, there you go. At least the Marine. Yeah, Heavy, Heavy's a good guy. He's a brother. I gotta like him. <laughs> I have to like him. I acknowledge that I have to like him. <laughs> 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 All right. So with that, we'll do a gun shop of the day. That means Angelina and I get the day off because that means we have guest hosts. So let's see. Tardot, you're getting the yeah, hot seat today. You got a gun shop you can recommend? Or to feature one every day here? Uh, sure. Yeah, there's actually one locally here. That is, uh, it's called Target Master, and it's one we actually go to pretty frequently. They've got actually a range on site. It's got, uh, I believe it's 15 pistol ranges, and it's like six rifle lanes. 
and uh, they actually have a decent, very decent sized gun shop, and they've got a uh, uh, lot of stock in. And they usually have some pretty nice little guns. I'd have to pull it up to see if I'd be able to screen share to be able to pull up their site. But they have a have a website with some few little pictures of their uh, range and everything else up. It's called Target Masters. Uh, the right one. Target Masters. Uh, no, it's it's it got an S on the end. It is Target Masters, and it's in Garland, Texas. That's it. There you go. Okay. Now, yeah, they, they, they're a little bit behind. They're a little dated. They don't have like the, you know, yeah, you see a lot of the newer ranges have like plexiglass and stuff on them. They're, they've been there for years, but it's a great uh, little range. And yeah, like you saw there, you got Blackjack. That's their little mascot they got running around. It's an old uh, police drug dog. That's but a, uh, we went up there. Nice. What was that? That's a huge place. That looks awesome. Yeah. And it's, they do. And they've got everything there. Uh, I mean, I couldn't tell you how many guns and it's awesome because you also get a lot of, like you can see, they've got animals from just different hunters that have sold to them that you can, there's some there you can actually buy. There's some that are just, it's kind of like a museum of uh, stuffed animals that people have gotten. Uh, it's got, I'm, I'm trying to think there's just, it's, it's got everything and anything you could ever really need in there. This dog looks almost as big as that bear right there. Uh, he is. We we go up there pretty frequently, and that dog is. I'm I'm six three. That dog stands up on his hind legs. He's almost as tall as I am. C H L L T C Beyond L T C license to carry. Yeah, they do. They do offer the license to carry class. They also offer some uh, uh, beginners courses, if I remember right. Uh, it's they're they're teamed up with a few people that do the licensing. Uh, classes that'll come up to the shop and do the licensing classes themselves and then they of course the beyond ltc is more of your after uh after you've gotten your basics your uh, your training right on 15 dollar gun rentals that's not that bad and I'll tell you this much about that shop, and I'm glad you're you're bringing stuff up that I keep forgetting but yeah I'm glad you said that cuz the 15 dollar gun rentals there it's awesome because it is a $15 gun rental and you bring your gun back after you're done shooting it. And you can actually just off that one $15 continue to just, Oh, I want to shoot this one. Oh, I yeah. want to shoot that one. Is that rare? I feel like that's pretty standard out here, even in California. Yeah, there's there's some, pe some people I hear saying that you've got to pay per gun. So really? that's why I bring that up. Yeah. I hear it sometimes. The, the other thing I hear that this place is a little bit apparent. Well, I'm not going to say it's rare or different, but, uh, they do $18 per day. Mm -hmm. Some people say that they have to pay per hour. Some people say they have to pay, uh, you know, however much, you know, per hour or whatever for their ranges. Well, this one is actually, you pay $18, you can shoot right then, leave, go eat lunch, come back, shoot some more. Huh. Yeah. For $33, you can shoot all day and all sorts of different guns too. Yeah, exactly. Because that, that basically says one gun out at a time. So you could pay 30 bucks and take two guns out and keep swapping out two guns. So you could literally compare them for 30 bucks. Like, you know, bang, 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 bang. Okay. Yeah. For 30 bucks. Or each person gets one for 15 and do the same thing. So I guess maybe I've seen it more often in ranges where they, um, they also sell firearms. I see that 
very often where you pay a flat fee for rental, then you can swap out as many guns as you want because from their point of view, they want to put you in the best gun possible and get you to buy one. So it helps them out, right? Well, well I would hope they want to do that because if they don't want to do that, then they're going to sell you whatever they can sell you. But I think the great gun shops are going to let you test out as many to make sure you do get the right one, which I think is awesome. Absolutely, and the, yeah. And the group there is as helpful as could be. Uh, I know Gunpowder went in there looking at some holsters at one time, and there was one lady up there. She Gunpowder would probably remember her name, but I don't remember offhand. And, uh, I mean, her and Gunpowder sat and talked for probably about a half an hour or more just about the holsters she was looking at and getting fitted and getting some new holsters in. Right I mean, they're, they're as helpful as could be, and they're more than willing to do whatever it takes to get you into a gun that you're going to like and uh, help you make the right decision. And their prices really aren't bad there. Uh, they're probably right at about the same as a lot of the market right now. See, I, I think that's so important for local gun shops because you go to a big box store, you're going to have someone who may not be intelligent in firearms they're just gonna be salesmen if you go to a good gun shop one they're going to try to find the right gun and the right holster because they know that if they put you in the wrong gun the wrong holster your first gun not only you're not going to go back to that store but you might not ever buy their firearm again so it's a very important part of the gun community i agree I think it's got to be win-win it costs them nothing they don't care they don't, most of those places don't even clean their rental guns right so all they got to do is watch you take it away for a while and watch you put it back so it costs them nothing to have you take guns all day and you go to a range where you can just sit there shooting you see how many they had too they had a bunch you could shoot all guns like that then why would you ever go to another range i mean that's that's ensuring repeat repeat business right a lot of them oh, exactly. like make you give them your driver's license or whatever or your keys or something like that and they don't run to singles, right? Yeah, so that's a thing that's recently happened. Is they don't, um, you, you can't, yeah, because they're worried about people renting a gun and then going and shooting themselves. Because that's happened before a couple of times. Well, it happens. What's up? It happens. Yeah, but I mean, that's one of the reasons they don't allow it. They they don't allow uh, single rentals like to an indiv one individual. All right. Well, I appreciate that. That's a cool shop, and it definitely looks interesting. Um, that's one of the other things that I think is neat about some of these shops when we see them, you know, pictures on the web or whatever. You know, can you imagine walking through that shop? You'd probably take a dozen visits before you felt like you kind of even knew where everything was, and then it would take you forever to actually find everything that they actually have. Oh, yeah. As many times as I've been there, and I don't think I've even come close to seeing every gun they have, and, of course, they're always getting new stock in, and they do used guns, too, so... Yeah, it's something new every time. That's a gun shop that I would probably, if I've got time next weekend, I'd probably stop by before I head out of town just to see it. That'd be kind of cool to see. Yeah, it looks awesome. All right, we did a gun shop of the day, so that takes us into something else. Did we start on time? We did. Oh, wait. <clears throat> we did this. We did Bicker. What the hell did I mean by that? So while I'm trying to figure out what I kind of note I left to myself here, <laughs> um, why don't we talk about? Oh, we were going to talk about the, the the museum tour. I guess we'll. Well, we got three people that went on the tour. Why don't we just talk briefly about that tour? So we went to the Jam Davis Museum for some people a second or third time or more, and 
um, Clover, I think, called up and got us the um, appointment to have a, a tour. We were escorted around for more than an hour. I think it was two hours or more. It was almost the, three. How long? It was at least two hours between the two tours. I mean, we had two different guys, but combined it was well over two hours. Yeah, so we had the director of the museum and the curator of the collection. So that was super cool because the director had met uh, Mr. Davis when they were still had the hotel and everything. So that was cool to hear his stories. But I'll let you guys tell what you guys. It wasn't that great a tour, really. I guess it's probably nothing to say. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't a tour as far as I was hoping maybe we were going to see some guns that maybe were not on display. But the cool thing that we got were better stories than what they just had printed out in the card. I mean, we got some background stuff. The curator I really like because he, I didn't realize that they were, since they're a government entity, they were able to get some NFA items that might have been destroyed, you know, if they didn't get them. Yeah, the NFA side of it was pretty awesome. And, you know, I got, you know, excited hearing a lot of the stories, not even just the uh, NFA, but just the miscellaneous stuff they had. You know, we saw nooses from, you know, different hangings. I can't remember the guy's name offhand. I'd have to go back through my video. But, you know, he was donating all kinds of nooses and just miscellaneous items that weren't even necessarily firearms that just had a lot of history behind them. You know, some of it's kind of morbid, but it, it, it was an awesome thing to hear that history. Um, I wish I could have seen that. It looks pretty cool, but I didn't go, so I failed. <laughs> uh, one, day, one day we'll get you there. One day. I don't know if, well, I've been to Oklahoma before. But Hold on. You're going to about to, in a couple of weeks, you'll be going through there. Are you going to have time to go through there? Uh, Maybe. I mean, I could probably make time. One day. Um, uh, no, I will be in Oklahoma on like a Wednesday. Well, and one thing to say about that museum that, uh, you know, when we were doing that tour and that was probably one of the coolest parts was when we got over to where, uh, Mr. Davis and his second wife are, are buried. And, you know, you come to find out that that's only one of two places where somebody's buried on state grounds and he's actually buried with pretty much his entire collection. And yeah, that's that's something awesome. And I think as gun owners, we kind of all would, would love to strive for in the end. Well, and he's, and he's protected by a Gatling, which is even better. Seriously. You know, like, can you imagine as a gun guy who had that collection, like the piece that he's got just sitting there with all his belt-fed shit right around him, his wife? Here we go. And then he sees all these people walking through, looking at his shit. They need to do some overnight tours and see if he haunts the place. He probably watch me telling you about shit and trying to do deals. Leave me your carry gun and you can take home this Arasaka. You know, just the fact that he spent the better part of his life collecting all these guns, it's got to be extremely satisfying for the family to know that there are people every day interested to go look at what is essentially their dad's or their grandpa's gun collection. That That's an awesome thing. I didn't think they asked him that question, if there is any more Davis's. Yeah, that wasn't a question I was asking. I didn't even think about it, but that would have been a great one to uh, 
to ask. Well, and, and uh, even out, you know, kind of outside of the tour, I know they mentioned it on the tour. The One of the cool things about that museum, too, is it wasn't restricted to, say, NFA items or rare items or historical items. You know, some of the best content I'd got while taping there and while taking pictures were guns that were just weird, is the best way to put it whether it was something that somebody tortured in their kitchen through doing some at-home gunsmithing, or if it was just a, a gun you don't see that often that really never made it anywhere. Like the dead ends of the various, like, uh, technology, like, concepts or ideas for the actions or weird barrel arrangements. Whoa. Ghost ran away. We got sick of them, so they can not stay for a little while, but not if they cramp our style. So they probably got NSA'd there, but uh, that'll give us a chance to let people know that uh, Ghost was or Clover was saying, Glover was saying that he posted a bunch of um, his. I don't think it's probably raw. I'm sure it's edited, but his uh, footage from the tour, uh, the actual guided tour part. So uh, got that on his channel on Clover. Yeah. yeah. One of the coolest things, and this that was my second time to go there, but one of the coolest things, and Tartar was saying some of the weird guns, I just think that one of the coolest things about the museum is it was never intended to be a rare gun museum. These are just guns that he happened to pick up at yard sales or wherever he was, and it was just collecting guns and preserving these guns forever. And even if they cost him at the time maybe $5, it was just something that they weren't, it wasn't necessarily meant to be a rare gun museum. It was just normal guns that got used, which is really cool. What did he do for a living where he was able to afford to acquire uh, so many a, a hotel there in, in Tulsa that was, I guess, a pretty famous hotel. So back in the days of Route 66 and everybody was driving up and down Route 66 to see the country. And they had the various like attractions, the big ball of string or the dinosaurs or the whatever. His was the museum, uh, the, the hotel with all the guns in it. And the guns would, you've seen the arrangements of guns like on the walls. They're all like on display, basically like wired to the walls, like the old time guns, like on a white background. So it's like the silhouettes of all these guns and they make patterns like that was the decoration. It sounds like not just in the like common areas of the hotel, like every square foot of the common areas, but also the hallways to the rooms. And it sounds like a few of the rooms were just stockpiles of guns. Um, I guess the ballroom for a while was like, you know, they had multiple ballrooms. It was a big motel. For a while, one of his ballrooms was just storage for uh, guns and whatnot. So he was uh, um, basically, a, what would you call that, like a um, tourist attraction. So people would come to stay at the motel. But I guess he was also the mayor, and it sounds like he was fairly successful um, just in business in general, right? Yeah, and see, two of my favorite stories, and kind of give you all a preview. One of them was they were talking about one of the hotel rooms. That was so stockpiled at guns, it took them, I forgot how long they said before they could actually get back into that room because it blocked the door. Two and a half years or something like that. And they, so you've seen like how they'll take barreled actions or whatever, they'll take the, the barrels out of the action of the wood, the stocks, so that they can stack all the barreled actions in like, like log cabin fire type of stacks, and then they'll stack all the wood like that so they don't all rust and get gross. So I've seen like Millsurp stuff stacked like that in long-term storage. He did that in one of the rooms. And then around the perimeter of the room, they just had guns 
like you'd imagine stack you know you lean a gun against a wall and you lean another gun against the wall and eventually you got the entire perimeter of the walls is guns leaned against the wall somebody closed the door of that room something happened did they say what happened all the guns shifted they all fell over so there were so many guns along the perimeter of the wall that they couldn't open that door ever again so for years they just left he just left that room <laughs> have guns in it and didn't even go in there for like years until they decided to take the hinges off the door and get in there well, in my room. And I, the second story, talking about how he got his guns, too. He was talking about the toy guns and trading off to some little kid. And the mom ended up pissed off and coming back because she knew he the kid got a raw deal on the trade. That was one of the other ones I like. I have a room just like that, except it's not guns, it's newspapers. But I'm, I'm sure they're going to be worth something one day. That's why I leave them in there. One day. I mean, if if you're going to be a hoarder, you might as well hoard guns. I mean, and that's basically what he was. Yeah. Well, I, it's cheaper to hoard newspapers, so I hoard newspapers. But I could use them to wrap fish. I also hoard fish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's this one room you don't want to go in. Totally different reason. All right. So uh, it's for a different chat, right? Let's see. So yeah, okay. Well, that was the tour, and that's the whole point of this is there was a bunch of people there with cameras gary's and i was already got some stuff going um night strike probably has some stuff try to remember who all had actual cameras running the pretty much the whole time um i think uh ohio did and you guys all did um until you said clover's got his stuff up some of his stuff up already so oh, yeah. uh, i've got i've got hours of footage just for the tour one of our challenges as a group is going to be to of course create a bunch of content individually but then also collaborate and coordinate i guess to keep all of our stuff together and tagged so that we can have it in playlists put those playlists either on gun channels or someplace else i'm debating if we want to just do it on gun channels or have a separate just website that's called like the wanamaker site or something but we'll have more meetings and we'll talk about all that but uh it's going to be neat to see all this content um come together and be in one spot so everybody can dig in and then once we've got all that to present you know a nice buffet of content we'll present that to the uh, wanamaker and you know potentially if everybody's got business cards and contacts you know everybody's contacted and said hey thanks for letting me review your holster or your whatever gizmo and then we can follow up with uh hey and here's a little sample of everything else we did hope to meet you next time and maybe we can impress them to where you guys are getting calls like, hey, you're going to be at Wanamaker in November. Be sure to come by, you know. Yeah, I, I think that I think that we've got a possibility with as many cameras that we had. I think it's really going to be a cool thing for the next few months to see um, the amount and the mass amount, the possibility of mass amounts of content that's put out there for the for the Wanamaker and for the museum. To really kind of leave a mark right there on the on the on the uh, Wanamaker Gun Show is saying, you know, like he said, I think he even said that a lot of the vendors were telling Carrie and the Wanamaker Gun Show that they were really pleased to see people out there covering it because for some of these companies, these smaller companies, that this is their shot show. They can't either get in or can't afford shot shows, so this is kind of a big deal for them. So uh, it's a good thing, I think. I didn't think so, but you made some good points there. I agree now. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So I don't know what I was coming up with Bicker there. Could it have been like Bickering at a gun show or something? 
But that would I would have put haggle. I don't know why I don't really call that bickering. Maybe are you really trying to like... read the mind of Bob? I mean, really, are you trying to read the mind of Bob and what he's putting in the notes? Maybe he just meant like bickering back and forth for five minutes or something like that. <laughs> he's talking about filling up some space. No, like but it's, in, but it's under gun tech. Okay. No. Oh. Oh, maybe he had a, some issue he wanted to bring up. Bob hasn't written stuff in this thing for a while. I doubt it was Bob. Oh. Yeah, I just said it to be funny. Uh, it was I'm... hilarious. It was probably like Smeggy talking about dicks on the internet, and he typed that in. Oh, snap. So we can do gun history? Sounds good. See, April 27th for some of us, but the 26th, I guess, uh, for some reason we didn't have a show yesterday. Um, gun possession near schools not restricted. April 26, 1995, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned federal law banning gun possession near schools on the grounds it was beyond the scope of Congress to Congress's power to regulate interstate commerce. So at some point before 95, the Supreme Court, or the, the Congress said it's within their power of interstate commerce to ban gun possession near schools. How the hell would they have come up with that? Anyway, the Supreme Court, I think somebody was saying earlier, slow process. Uh, 95, they came along and overturned that ruling, that federal law. And, uh, and I guess we uh, could carry guns for a minute until they came up with the Gun-Free, gun-free School Zone Act. A few years later, I guess. But it is a piece of history, so I put it in there. Well, let me ask you this: If if, if Supreme Court overruled saying that that was not their place, then how did they allow the Gun Free Zone Act to go through? Well, what how how that happened is they tacked that on to another bill that had to do with drugs and gun violence near and on school grounds. So that was kind of like part of a whole nother thing, and that's how they got it passed through, basically, from my understanding. Yeah, just, I'm just trying to figure out the Supreme Court said it's not okay for this one instance, but since we're going to wrap it in a different wrapping paper this time, it's okay now. Well, I would wonder, too, how much of it had to do with uh, maybe just not enough pushback on it. So the Supreme, you know, there, there really wasn't a, a scare. Cause, I mean, you look, at, you look now when they drop bills, and they try to hide stuff inside the bill and, you know, either nobody knows about it well, or I guess more or less nobody kind of cares. That's exactly, from my understanding, that's exactly what it was, is that it was hidden in a bill that was like, oh, like if you're, uh, if you have drugs or gun violence or anything like around this, it was hidden in a bill like that. And that's how they were able to, to get it through. And then, you know, finally people became aware of it somehow. Your tax dollars hard at work right there, ladies and gentlemen. And that's a common trick they use to hide stuff in bills. You know, I mean, like they, they can hide, yeah. you know, I mean, stuff that doesn't even, that isn't even pertinent to, to what the bill's about. I mean, in, in a bill. I mean, isn't that how we uh, ended up off the, off the gold? You know, they, they do something like that off the, I mean, they, they're just famous for that. And, and who reads? Like if you, I watched the thing that they were talking to like congressmen and stuff, and they get these four hundred page bills and all that, and they don't read them. Like they, they, they literally read the first page, and that's it.
Well, right. isn't that how we recently got um, the fixed Nicks to go through when they, they collected all these other things and, and created the omnibus? And, I mean, there's 2,200 pages of, of legislation there. So that's omnibus got passed, and amongst that huge document was the fixed Nicks. Oh, I didn't know that. When was this? Uh, recently or what? Yeah, recently, yeah. When they, they, they passed this big omnibus that they had to get all these different legislation, they put them together in a 2,200-page bill, and they released it like 17 hours prior to it going to the vote on the floor, and part of the omnibus was fixed nits. Well, we're not going to be able to solve that tonight, but we can talk about more history. So I'm looking at the non-gun history, just the web page we look at, and we stole off a pottery. And this one's the 28th, so because it's in New York, it's kind of tomorrow. But, um, or depending on where you are, and I guess it's today. But um, 1788, Maryland became the seventh state to ratify our Constitution. And now they're a bunch of jerks about guns. Uh, 1789, so Maryland become a state, or Maryland ratified our Constitution. Then a year later, the HMA... HMS Bounty Mutinies, so the Mutiny on the Bounty. I never thought about that, but that was after Maryland. Oh, wow. Um, let's see. President James Monroe. This was a sad day in 1818. A lot of you don't remember this one probably, but James Monroe, he was our president back then. He proclaimed naval disarmament on the Great Lakes and Lake Champlain. So that's when Canada basically felt like they could do whatever they wanted. I think we should have left naval armament up there i think we let our guard down too early thanks monroe well that's how bob gets over here no he just walks right across those lakes when it's cold you know when it's icy they just walk right across there's nothing stopping them the land bridge uh 1902 that's boring um 1916 british declare martial law throughout ireland because british are a bunch of jerks uh, I like saying this. So 1920, Azerbaijan joins the Soviet Union. So nobody gives a shit, but who, who doesn't like saying Azerbaijan? Like a whole bunch of letters that aren't normally in order. Uh, Mussolini killed by Italian partisans today, 1945. Mussolini killed. Well done. Well done. How, how do you say bravo in Italian? Is that how you say it? Or is there. Uh, Grazie. Grazie. So uh, this one, I was this one was impressed because I seen this. I thought I saw a show about this, and maybe I didn't because it says in 1947, Norwegian anthropologist, some guy, and five others set out on a balsa wood craft known as the Kantiki to prove the Peruvian Indians could have settled in Polynesia. I don't know if anybody's seen that before, but they basically sit on a big like raft and just jump on an ocean current and go across the entire Pacific Ocean, the big part of the Pacific. I saw a show about that, and it was pretty neat. So uh, people always kind of wonder how, like, the Easter Island and stuff got. Yeah, it's fascinating. Because, I mean, Easter Island is, like, not a, that's not a simple little boat ride. And they had some pretty non-fancy boats. Well, that's the thing. It turns out you basically just sit on the water and mm -hmm. have to have a, ton of, a bunch of balls because you're, you're at the whim of nature. But you basically sit on the water, and it pulls you all these little ports along the, the islands out there and the different... Uh, coast on the both sides of the ocean. Yeah, it's it's crazy when you think about it. They just like, but, okay, Jesus, take the wheel. Let's do this. <laughs> on of, the ocean. Also, 
at least the show I watched, like the balsa wood craft that they made according to spec, like basically crapped out right when they got there. So like they didn't have a lot of extra boat according to their stuff. So they figured out like just how long it took to get there and they built enough boat for it. And, you know, we got people on weird islands, I guess that way. Um, 1953, just a couple years after that, peaceful, interesting, like, uh, experiment in social in social sciences maybe you get 1953 french troops evacuate northern La laos so you start the beginning of all that shit yep um, and then the only other kind of interesting thing is 1937 saddam hussein was born today oh oh good you know a day he was he died probably the same day wasn't it I don't know, but it was the day that he got hung for being a dick, right? So, <laughs> did you? Did anybody bring up any of the chats earlier today that uh, seems that North Korea and South Korea have found a little bit of peace today? Uh, oh, yeah, it was awesome. Is that? I mean, that's the kind of thing that, yeah, that's we talked hard about to... it yesterday. But it was pretty odd. It's like the. Do you see the video for it? No, I, yeah, I like that. It awesome. is amazing. Where like, they're holding hands and everything, and they're stepping back and forth over the demilitarized zone, like yeah, the they're like that's laughing, crazy, smiling, crazy. So, thank you, President Trump. We're talking a generation of people never that have died and never saw that. You know, from the time they were born, they died. They died. Some people never saw a peace in Korea, which is kind of crazy. Nineteen fifties, right? We left in fifty-four. Well, I think it was 50 to 53, maybe 53, 54, somewhere in there. Yeah. They're talking about um, ending the Korean War, actually. I they heard fought. that on the news today. Did they? they? Does that happen today? Yeah. they. So you know how they sign yep. the, that thing and then they exchange them? Like the official thing? They did that. Mm -hmm. Yep. They the peace treaty and, and declare that they were going to make the entire peninsula nuclear free. That's... And then uh, they're gonna. They want to unify because the Korean people are meant to be together and not separate. So I mean, like that's what Un said. A lot of people remember, like when the Berlin Wall came down, and it was pretty exciting for a lot of people. This is yeah. on par with that. It really. Oh is. yeah, this is. Oh yeah, that's really. I mean, because for no other reason, you're basically stabilizing a region of the world that has been unstabilized for sixty some odd years. I mean, it's it's crazy good. And think yeah, about here's the real question. So, are all those people now gonna know that like movie theaters exist and like you know doctors and shit? Are you gonna like basically free your people? Well, they had movie theaters. They just had only well, yeah. But you know how they're like shitty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like how everything there's shitty. Like, are you gonna now live? You know, I mean, I'm not saying. You're going to be America, but I mean, are you going to be like at least one of the Asian countries? America's going to bring them our sweet, sweet capitalism now. Yeah, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when all the capitalist countries over there flood in and bring aid to those people and they all see what it's like that nobody was actually giving a shit about killing them and then everybody's happy and they have all that potential. Let's and take you can buy like medical marijuana and Xboxes. They're going to get like a Coca-Cola and flip the fuck oh, out aren't yeah. they basically coming from like you know the 50s or 60s basically coming up to now i mean obviously they're not 100 percent 60s but you know they're definitely old culture coming up to now it'll be really interesting a lot of potential for growth right Maybe yeah oh 
Oh yeah. It's an exciting time for for the world to see that, you know, two two entities that hate each other forever. You know, it's just like like the Berlin Wall or the fall of the Soviet Union. I mean, you're talking about chances of changing the world because it's these people haven't known anything different for 60 years and now like you said there's a whole literally whole new world available to them i'm not going to give it the significance to the berlin wall that was way bigger consequences for the planet but i'll give it a giant i mean since the berlin wall i can't think of necessarily something as significant well, i think excited. it's yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it, but it's on, it's on that same plane where you're yeah. talking about a historic event, you know. But I'm worried about Trump that he's going to piss off the guy from North Korea, and then we're going to have nuclear war. That's a that's 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 a whole different issue. Remember the like, spoiler? Hillary's going to win or whatever, or spoiler President Hillary or something like spoiler like Trump, whatever Trump's going to cause nuclear war in Korea. We'll just airdrop Dennis Rodman again. He'll solve the problems. Oh, yeah. Dennis Rodman. I bet he'll show up. Dude, Probably Dennis Rodman. I, I, I will say, like, before anybody starts patting Trump on the back, Dennis Rodman is the one who needs a lot of the credit, too. You're kidding. Or you're laughing. But no, I mean, seriously. I'm not kidding. There, like, there, okay. There's a documentary called Double Team about how Dennis Rodman's a CIA spy. In oh, Jesus. Canada. Oh, He's gonna get a be. Nobel Prize uh, reward, I bet. Almost. I, I would not be surprised if his name came up as okay, so the nomination or in the running. Somebody who's able to facilitate a trip like that. You're, you're, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that the CIA is going to take him for a bit and give him some idea of how to keep their wits about him and how to get intel. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. Like a briefing or whatever. Sure. But whether or not he's a spy, that? maybe a little more than that. What is a spy? Spy is someone who's aware and has intent and isn't just drifting through some other country. Maybe goes through and collects a little bit of intel and somebody who you wouldn't necessarily suspect and someone who's going to have access. And I, interesting. I would define it as somebody who partakes in clandestine operations. Sure. It sounds like something a spy would say, G-Webs. <laughs> Here's who? the guy selling uh, we'll, around we'll just, the van. I've we'll just start calling him Amb Ambassador Rodman. Spy would also not wear a uniform, not be affiliated with any type of state. Neither do spies feel the same way. They don't wear uniforms. No, I said a spy would never wear a uniform. It would be outside of the state. Yep. So. Basically, one of the hosts on the Daily Gun Show is a spy. I've never done anything out of uniform. <coughs> <coughs> All right, so North Korea is going to continue to be communist. So is China, and we're making a lot of money with them. And it's going to be tougher and tougher for them to be old-fashioned asshole communists. I mean, they're communists, but they're not murdering millions of people without any consequence. Yeah, I, I don't think that communism that we saw during the Iron Curtain of the Cold War, that kind of, that sect of communism, I think, is gone. But, you know, it's the communistic, it's still there, but it's, it's not as militant, I guess. It's cancerous. I don't like communism, but they're not the communists that were killing people, so... If they right. say communist, it's still at least they're not isolated, right? That they're out of isolation is the main thing, and they're not so isolated that they're threatening other people with catastrophic shit. Well, they're you know they're they're communist in the sense that they're still competing with us. The difference is they're competing with us via capitalism. Yeah, I, I think it's more of an economic uh, philosophy now instead of yeah. a military philosophy. Right. 
we could have a whole nother discussion on whether or not the Cold War is over and whether or not they're still manipulating things to screw with us. But this is definitely an indication that maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm not done being skeptical. Well, having more countries doing sweet, sweet capitalism type things is good, even to a communist, because they can still manipulate and do whatever it is on their government level, right? I guess, yeah, that's what I'm saying, I think. Watch any of the range videos and you shall do, 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 act on your arm. I don't know what they're talking about over there. Oh, they're talking about shooting a 50? 50? Uh, I guess so. It's too much to read. Sweet, sweet, 50? We are definitely over time now. We had some extra guests on. Again, appreciate everybody who's joined us tonight. We got 30 people watching right now. I'll leave it up to y'all. We got 26 thumbs. So that sounds, that makes, that indicates to me is, uh, Try talking here that there's a bunch of people actually paying attention to what we're doing. So um, we're pretty much done with the segments that we would normally do. Uh, we have a gun movie, and since we don't have one listed here, um, the first person to recommend one over on the gun channel side will be our gun movie today. Uh, but I'll leave it up to the guests who are hosting with us tonight, and I'm guessing that Tardot and Ghost will jump back. Um, if you guys want to keep going, we can keep going. If you got wind in your left, otherwise uh, we'll just listen to what the audience is out there saying. Thursday? Is that the name of the movie? Yeah, that'd be a good gun movie to recommend. Thomas Jane, Aaron Eckhart, before they were like really big. I've never seen it. So I guess technically, even though you outlagged everybody because you heard it and then they were able to answer it before they even heard the question, probably. Uh, <laughs> he typed his own answer and he's on the panel <laughs> yeah i'm saying like they probably just now like why is he typing thursday oh that's why he's typing thursday. but so, today's friday is this a gun move it's not like friday no no it's not like friday but it, it, it has a lot of guns in it some really sweet 1911s like mac pens stuff okay. like that it, i wouldn't classify it as a gun movie but there are definitely guns and gunplay in it and uh, it, it's basically like Thomas Jane before he was the Punisher. Like it's, you know, they, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a really good flick. I definitely recommend anyone check it out. It's kind of, it can be kind of hard to find. I don't think you're going to find it on uh, Netflix or anything. Maybe, maybe Amazon prime or Hulu or something. But uh, if you look on the internet, you can definitely find it out there on the internet and it's definitely worth watching, especially if you're a Thomas Jane or Aaron Eckhart fan. Yeah, I've never heard of that movie. Yeah, it, it's kind of, I wouldn't classify it as a B movie, but it was definitely a low budget movie that I heard that uh, Thomas Jane and Aaron Eckhart actually basically had to take a cut in salary um, just to get the movie finished because they didn't even have enough money to finish the movie. They got like halfway through uh, filming it and then ran into money issues. So they basically said, okay, you don't have to pay us. We just want to finish this movie because it's, we, we believe it's so good. So it's, it's kind of like a, a movie like that. They basically funded the movie by, by not getting paid to make it. So it's definitely worth checking out. When you think about 98, there was quite a few interesting movies coming out back in that era. I don't think I've seen this one, though. Yeah, so I've, you're saying it's so old? It's not like a Netflix, Amazon thing? No, no, I, I have it on VHS, actually. That's the, I, I haven't even found it on DVD. Uh, I still have it from VHS, and I, I never see it play on HBO or anything like that because it was, it was a pretty low-budget movie. 
but it's definitely definitely worth watching and when you watch it you would not think it's a low budget movie it's not corny it's not it's not like a typical b movie so it's done very very well and it's kind of like what really made thomas jane and aaron eckhart in my opinion really like it, that's what really blossomed their career is that movie anybody else seen it no you know i haven't i don't see anything uh, i haven't seen that what else is out there i've never even Gosh. heard of it so uh, i'll have to go look at it yeah i must walk away so here's this is going to happen what's the best movie that you can recall that you have only seen on vhs or at least that for the longest time was only on VHS because I can think of one and it's technically not available on the internet now, but for years I couldn't find it because it was only an old HBO movie. Drunken Master. I remember that one at the VHS uh, Kung Fu section. Which one? The Jackie Chan Drunken Master? That's what you're talking about? Yes. There was two versions. That was only on VHS forever and ever and ever until they remastered it. So I have a good one. I have a good one. Dead Alive. Oh my goodness. Oh, see, I'm going to get a wardrobe change. That's where he was. Dead Alive. I can't uh, get Lord. Directed by Peter Jackson way before Lord of the Rings. Oh, it was his first movie. It was the movie that he bought his computers for that impressed everybody and that he made the next movie, which made Lord of the Rings. So good. That movie, you could only get it on VHF. I ended up finding a DVD version um, relatively recently. Great zombie movie. Yeah, and funny. Movies, that's the only one I like of them. It's so hilarious. It's it's good and funny. And it, it's like, it it's it, you know how like a, a horror movie can either be so funny campy that you can't take it seriously? Like the zombie portions of it are actually pretty good. It's not scary in any way, but it's a very good movie. I don't think there's a gun in the whole thing. <laughs> I remember that though, yeah, when all during the nineties, that was the kind of shit you could pull out and just impress everybody because nobody's seen it and you could only get it on VHS still. Dude. Do you yeah. remember the movie Cloak and Dagger? Yes. Yeah. I used to love Cloak and Dagger. I didn't love it. I didn't like it that much. Dag? Yeah, I, used to well, I was a kid when that came out, so that was like yeah, that was that was like a great kid. I know another one, yeah. Chud. Chud scared the shit out of me. That is still one of the scariest movies to this day. Chud uh, was a yeah, VHF, uh, directed VHF movie. <laughs> okay, so Angelina, do you even know what a VHS is? Did you ever have one? Um. Yeah, actually. That was, you know, a thing when I was a kid, a VHS. So, movie that you can think of? Um, a movie that I can think of that I had a hard time finding on DVD was either Mary Martin's Peter Pan or Willow. Oh, Willow. That's got to be mad DVD coverage, right? Now, yeah. But when it, I mean, that was, so I, somehow I ended up with this Willow movie when I was a kid, like eight or so probably. And I fucking didn't want to watch it because it looked weird. Then I watched it, and then we fucking watched it all the time. So I can't even remember what it's about now. But did you see Legend? No. Tim Curry is the devil with Tom Cruise. I have not. And what's about David Bowie? That's Labyrinth. 
Oh. I've never seen that. They're all the same. Oh, Labyrinth, Labyrinth was awesome. Oh yeah, Labyrinth is good. You know that you know that all those uh, like the ball manipulation stuff he does in the movie is another dude who's putting his arms uh, underneath David Bowie's armpits. Oh, I thought you were gonna say it's another dude's balls. It's no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, it's a guy named Michael Motion who did it. He's the contact juggler dude who did all the the manipulation ball works. Pretty pretty interesting. Uh, how about Phantasm? That's a VHS only movie. Mm, I barely remember that one, but that was one of those horror movies from back in the olden days. Maybe. It was tall, I remember man. the kid. He had the uh, the never ending story. That was pretty big when I was a kid. Did you guys ever watch mm-hmm. North? Now we're South? just talking about old movies, so not. <laughs> um, the reason I brought it up is I thought of one uh, called "The Park Is Mine." It was an HBO movie, and I could get it on HB or I could get it on VHS back in the olden days of v- like way before Blockbuster, like in the olden days of VHS stores. But um, it was about a guy who came back from the NAM, and uh, he had planned to do something in Central Park and, and geared up. And then as he died, and his friend came along, and there was all this gear there, and he basically took over the park as a way to say, I don't know, protest, I guess. It was not a great plot. But it's um, some actor running around with AKs in Central Park, and I only got to see it a couple of times, so it was a tough one to find. Um. Charlesma was saying Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man. That was, I guess, one of the tougher ones because, again, it wasn't super popular, so it probably took a while to get DVD'd. Strange Brew. I can remember having that. On the- <laughs> yeah. Spaceballs. Space- that one had no problem going to DVD. That one's always been super popular. Really? Spaceballs? Yeah. Everyone has a boner over that shit. See, one I, I come to, it comes to mind that I've never really seen it on DVD a whole lot is uh, Puppet Master. You know, we're talking about the horror movies type stuff. Mm-hmm. You think some of that stuff, um, the, the special effects or whatever, you know, kind of needed to be in the old VHS? You know how like Star Wars even, you watch it in fancy whatever. We got digital now and everything's shitty because you can see all the special effects happening. It's too like That's a basketball they blew up. No, like with the TIE fighters in space, you can see the like masking around them because it's you know too detailed now. All of a sudden, you can see everything. I yeah. wonder if it's like that, like those old horror movies, it just looks too cheesy and people need to lose all the effect if you watch it clear. Kind of like listening to old music, right? What else? Um, right. Well, again, we don't want to go into too many movie things. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I could go for days. Um. He's talking about some sheriff out there. What's the deal with that? Uh, there is a dude running for sheriff in Los Angeles County, and he is pro 2A. And he says that basically, um, if you are a legal gun owner, gu- a legal gun owner, then you are absolutely entitled to a concealed weapons permit in LA County, which is a gigantic step up from what we got right now. Um, this dude is super community oriented. He cares about, you know, the deputies, their families, their morale, their safety. Um, he's been a deputy himself for shit ton of years. Um, so if you are in Los Angeles County, definitely uh, think about Bob Lindsay for LA County Sheriff. Uh, I'm not. Of winning? I think he. I think he has a good. A good chance as long as people nice. show up and vote. That's um, awesome. 
he's not, this isn't in my county, so I don't really have a vetted interest in it because um, I'm Ventura County, but it's uh, my county. It's Hosh's county, so we care about Hosh, but you know, I care about our rights as a whole. So my county is a little easier to get a permit in, but it doesn't really happen. And it would be super great for the people of Los Angeles for this dude to uh, get in. And well, we were talking anti- like big anti-gun counties in California are San Diego counties, um, LA County, and San Francisco, right? So the counties in and around there. So the fact that this is happening in like the heart of anti-gun territory is awesome. Even the fact it's happening. So in other words, it's not like there's always a pro-gun and he's never got a chance, but he's always there. This is a unique situation where there's even a pro-gun option. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, Riverside uh, County. They get um, they get pro-2A sheriffs a lot. So it's possible people are just numb to the choices being shitty and never even vote and need to be woke up and told, hey, this is an important one. Go vote this time. I, you know what? It, it's a it's a complete recoil to the laws that they put in place in California that decriminalized a lot of uh, crimes that people are in jail for, which on one hand reduces the cost of the state. The problem is it pushed all the cost down to the, the the people because crime has gone up across the board in so many cities in L.A. County, my city being one of them. We're crime rates through the roof. So what are we talking about here? They're saying that they... Put a bunch of people out of prison. Correct. In California. Mm-hmm. We have three bills that were passed in the last four years. Um, that what they did was they said well, to everybody, we're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead. I guess I should say these are passed by Democrats and now people are voting Republican just because they're pissed that the Democrats let all the people out. I think they're I, I don't even know that it's Republican or Democrat at this point. They're just pissed that there's these they were sold a bill of goods. Everybody was told, hey, we're decriminalizing marijuana crimes. So Turby's like, okay, that's not a big deal because people aren't really, they're not committing, it's like a harm, there's, where's the victim? The problem is that what they also did was they lowered the, the level from felony to misdemeanor on a lot of larceny charges. So hardcore, very active burglary um, criminals got let out and we're seeing highly organized gangs of criminals that are breaking into houses throughout all of LA County and, and up and down the state. High larceny levels, all the soft crime, the nonviolent crime is way up. Okay. Well, so to, 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 to piggyback on what you were talking about earlier about the state of California being a ripple effect across the country, if LA County is able to elect a sheriff that is pro-gun, maybe this is a ripple effect that could help change the face of the Second Amendment in California, possibly. Hell yeah. yeah definitely. And then just like you say, if it's unprecedented, then at least it's a, a nick in the foundations that they must assume they have in California. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a telling that the people don't just fall in lockstep with a with an ideology. They're falling in lockstep with, I don't want my crap getting stolen anymore. Yeah, I mean, people, it's starting to become um, like Democrat, Republican. It doesn't really fucking matter. When it comes do to y'all crime. y'all have a castle doctrine in California? We do. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah, we're, we're not obligated to flee if somebody breaks into our home. Okay, I didn't know if we y'all were like, in shoot people in the, You know, you can't do the typical bullshit crap that people 
postulate like, oh, shoot them and then drag them in the house. Like, no, that stuff. There's still forensics, but yeah, you can defend yourself if it's truly in your home. Okay, well, that's 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 positive at least. Oh yeah, but but, the, but like you can't have a nightstand gun technically in LA County, right? Yeah, you can. I've got well, it's it's in a uh, well, no, you can if there's no kids present. Absolutely, you can. Yeah, carry... well, yeah. If there's but no if kids, but if you have kids, you have to have it locked and safe all the time. Yeah, but it's it's in one of those biometric safes right next to my bed, fully loaded, ready to go. Hell yeah. I feel bad if the terrorists come in there with one of them cigar cutters, cut your finger off, then they'll have access to that gun. <laughs> oh man. Don't say don't say that. You're telling them what to do. I just instructed them. Now oh my gosh. Or if your batteries what? die, your power goes out. It beeps at you before that happens. It's like a smoke alarm. If Jupiter is in line with Saturn, you won't be able to get that gun out, and then you're gonna die. If uh what Capricorn's in your money house? Capricorns in your money house, blue waffles in the sky. So let's and talk something's about in retrograde. Let's talk about that. Let's fund this adventure that we're having. Angelina, you've got patches that are not just theoretical, they're literally dropped. Correct? Are they gone already? Uh, I think there's some left, but there was only 10. I put up 10 for sale today. Uh, the rest will be for sale um, in early May. Um, but yeah, you can get, there's 10 up there right now. I think a bunch of them are sold, but you might still be able to get one. If not, you have to wait till May. But are the blue waffles sold? sold? The blue waffles are not all sold out. Oh, there you go. Um the joiner die AR-15 patch that a few of you might have seen me make in a lobby, that one's not up yet. And there's no way that those coupons apply to these things that are uh, They might. What? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to operate my website that good. <laughs> so, yeah, so you've got some uh, coupon code... You can use gun channels, right? Yep, and gun channels. Discounts, appreciate that. The people that do buy them usually post stuff, and that's always cool. And we get to see the different ways people uh, display them or uh, put them on their panels or whatnot. I saw the neatest thing as I was looking around on just surfing Instagram the other day where this guy had a little, he was doing fish patches, and he had like a little hook, like the tip of a rod, and then going into a treble hook. And it became like a little hanger, I guess. and I uh, can put uh, patches on. That's kind of cool. That's cool. <clears throat> um, I'm going to try to raise some funds here for um, heading to Dallas. It looks like Dallas is um, going to be interesting this year. Hey, Dano, jump back in. You're doing that squirrel thing that happens once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen on the phone, I think. So, um, yeah, there's a bunch of people heading to Dallas. The NRA show is coming. Uh, I hate to keep going back to the wall, so I'll just you know put it out there that uh, gear website is out there. Uh, recommend it to friends. I got the cards, so I'll be posting those sooner than later. You know everything's only 24 hours in a day, but I got pretty much everything done this week, so I'm going to be posting those cards. And uh, maybe there's people out there that you know that might be interested. Uh, they'll be up there for 20 bucks, which is not a bargain price, but that's really to keep the tour going. And uh, I do have some people that have shown interest in it and have. Uh, expressed uh, 
encouragement that they might be able to help me get the word out there. So I might be putting together a new uh, leg here and, you know, theoretically coming up with a route. Uh, we kind of played with that. We did that, like, I don't remember if we did it in a dedicated chat or if we did that uh, in a lobby, but um, stay tuned for that. And uh, hopefully things will happen here over the weekend since uh, NRA is coming up in a week. Uh, Hosh, 